0: Hey, ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry, episode 96. As always, I'm not joined by either Dom or Jordan. Neither of them could be here this week. But I do have a special guest. Logan has returned.
1: Hi, I've returned to podcasting as a whole. Yeah, glad to have you (laughs) back. Um, Good to be back.
0: I don't track, like, every time people are on the podcast, but I think Blessing holds the record for the most times on, because he was on before you were. And then I think it's you... Like three times, four times. I think this is uh, I think this is fourth. fourth. sounds right, at least. Yeah, yeah, I've lost track. You and him are like the, are the two people we get on most of the time. Uh, cause, I don't know, just like having you guys on. Um, We're the I mean, most knowledgeable
1: about video games.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, hundred percent. Um, <laughs> especially with like specifically like PlayStation and stuff too. because uh, we already don't have two of our three members that are PlayStation centric. So I need another one. Uh, just in case. Um, But yeah, good to have you back on. Uh, Dom was meant to be on. We had some last-second stuff come up, and he wasn't able to be on. So it's just going to be another, as Jordan calls it, a fireside groove with me and Logan.
1: We've Um, done this before. i mentioned that to you, but I think this is – because I had you fill on on my podcast back in the day for the first time, and I think that was the first time we ever podcasted together was you and me together. So, look. Yeah. Well, we've done it before.
0: Yeah. We have a nice rapport going, so it's, it's good. <laughs> um, this is the first time a guest has been on our podcast, and it'd be a two-man podcast, so we're breaking new ground, Logan. Um, there we go. But yeah. Uh, so the way we normally start off is what we've been playing. I have a weird list of, like, uh, so I've played some Wolfenstein 2. I haven't garnered enough time, like, free time to, like, sit down and just focus on finishing it. Not that I dislike it or anything. I love Wolfenstein 2, everything I've played. It's just one of those games that I haven't had an opportunity to get back to fully, Um but over the last week, I've played a game called Monster Prom. I don't know if you're familiar with that, Oh, game. yeah.
1: I played that at E3 last year, an early build of it, and it's really fun. Yeah, I like so uh,
0: I, we were fortunate enough to get a, a review copy to check out the game. And uh, I actually, as of recording this today, it'll it's live on our YouTube channel if you're listening to this uh, the day the podcast comes out uh, on Monday. I put up an impressions video of Monster Prom. I am not a, uh, <laughs> a dating simulator kind of guy, shockingly yeah. enough. Um, the only other game that's partially like that that I've played is Doki Doki Literature Club, which was the indie game at the end of last year that kind of caught the gaming industry um, by storm. People were talking about it. Um, very crazy game. I don't want to spoil it for anybody who's played it, but it's definitely an interesting game.
1: Monster I are going to play
0: that. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting.
1: It's... Uh, you're probably like me and you don't really play dating sims yeah um, i do not play a dating sims too often i've heard i've heard enough about doki doki literature club and what it's all about to garner my interest i just need to actually play it at some point yeah so. uh it, it subverts expectations it does a lot
0: of crazy stuff um, really surprising monster prom is uh, i think a very good intro to that kind of game because the aesthetic is very inviting it isn't Super anime, and that isn't necessarily a bad thing, but for like a more general audience that can be a little off-putting. Um, the art style for this game, like you said, you played an early build of it. Uh, I, I looked up some early shots of it when it was, uh, making the rounds at conventions, and it definitely looks different in its end product, especially a lot of the final graphics they used for like, um... You know, in between uh, scenes, you can select where you want to go at in the school, like if you want to go to the gym or the auditorium. That looks completely different than what the early build looked like, because um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like the way it looks, and I went and looked at the early builds. It doesn't look bad, necessarily, but it does look different. Um, And yeah, in my impressions, I talk about how it's very inviting for somebody who's not familiar with dating sims, it's very easy to pick up, Um, I love that they have multiple options for playing through the game, so they have a quick option where you can get through um, a scenario or a story in about 30 minutes, and they have one that's about an hour to an hour and a half. And that's great because people who are new to it don't want to commit that kind of time to something they they want to see it uh, end right. And with this game, it's very replayable because the whole point of it is you're trying to find a date for Monster Prom. And uh, if it doesn't happen, you unlock uh, certain um, additional avenues to, to get these people to like you. You unlock new information about those characters by talking to them. Um, At the end of a playthrough, it lets you know all of the new paths you've unlocked, all of the new dialogue options you've unlocked. Um, I just really like the customizable um, parts of it where, at the beginning of the game, you select your character, you have one of four characters to choose from. Two female, two male, but you can choose your pronouns, which is really great for people who want that in games. Um, And you can name it or you go with the default name and you go through like this personality quiz that kind of sets up your initial stats in the game and uh, you know those range from your your intellectual level to the amount of money you have and all of them I think factor in from what I've played into the the characters liking you the AI characters and they're all based on monsters. You have a football player who's a werewolf, you have a Gorgon kind of gothic chick, you have like a preppy ghost girl um, you have like a, a really like uh, how would I, how would I say it? a very um, like fashion forward demon type character
1: yeah and
0: like all that stuff sounds very weird um, but it it works uh, all of them have their own unique personalities through the conversations you have with these characters you're making choices and what you're trying to do is make them like you more um, so it totally fits into you know the way a lot of people were in high school If you made a lot of your choices not necessarily based on what you wanted to do but based on how other people would perceive your actions and it's really cool because it has a lot of world building in it too which is surprising for a dating sim you find out about the principal and how uh, how easily he is to manipulate and what's going on and the rules that they can break in this monster world like they don't they don't approach situations the way a normal human would. Um, yeah. It's it's very interesting. I've enjoyed my time with it. Honestly, I, I thought it would be one of those things that I, I played for maybe you know, a good three to four hours to get initial impressions on it and never touch it again because it's a dating sim and I don't play those games. Um, but it is something I might go back to and just do a couple of run-throughs again. Uh, it seems like it's very open to whatever type of... Um, sexual preference you are or anything like that. So, obviously, I'm just a normal straight dude. So, I, the way I played it was as a guy going after girls in the game. Um, but, you know, you can do any number of things in there. Uh, you can go after everybody. You can go after nobody. I just love the, the variety of choice. And the art style is great. Um, when you've played it, uh, Logan, were you able to get through, like, an entire little campaign thing?
1: Yeah, I think we did one of the short ones because uh, okay. we played it at like, an indie... Uh, like showcase thing. So it was like each session was maybe 10 minutes or so, something like that. Um, okay. I really li- I really liked how it like subverted your expectations. If I remember right, yeah. it's been almost a year since I've played it. It does but, like, that you'll, fully. Yep. Yeah. You'll choose options that you think are like the correct one in the moment or whatever, or you think it's the option that you're wanting to choose. And then all of a sudden it kind of flipped itself on its head and a scenario plays out that you totally didn't expect. So it's really funny in that way uh the one thing from i'm curious if it changes a lot because in our in our build that we played it was once you had kind of seen the different scenarios that play out you kind of learned that they were all pretty similar um i'm curious if it's drastically different in the full game um but yeah it's really it's a really funny game the writing's really witty i i enjoyed i enjoyed checking it out last year and think the full i've heard a lot of positive buzz about the full game not only from yourself but from a lot of other people so so i can't really speak to how different it is obviously from that build because
0: i i didn't play that build um but from what i i did experience i i played through it um fully i think three or four times and each time i made it a point to pursue a different character and from what i noticed is at certain sections of the game, there's definitely events that will always be the same, right? Like there's def definitely tentpoles for specific characters, um, but in between those, they change up a lot. And um, it, I guess the way they the way they played out is that they assume that you're not going to be playing through pursuing the same character over and over again after you succeed, right? So you'll play through, if you don't succeed, you might pursue that same character until you succeed and figure out how to get them to like you and go to prom with you. But I I highly doubt that they built a game in mind of somebody playing through, having a a successful journey with that specific AI character, let's say the ghost girl, for instance, and then constantly playing over and over again, trying to get the ghost girl, girl again. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess if you were trying to do that, it would probably get repetitive. But the way I played it is like I wasn't successful. I played through time. I was successful learning like what worked and what didn't work for that specific character. And then I moved on. So I guess it could feel a little bit samey if you're trying to be successful over and over again with the same character. Which would be weird considering it's a dating sim with a bunch of different characters. Um, what I do know is that there are secret characters that you can romantically pursue as well that aren't the initial, I want to say, six um, that they, they show you, there's a couple of secret ones that you can pursue too um, through different actions which is pretty cool for people who want to get the most out of it and find all the hidden secrets um, The thing that initially interested me about this game is that the one of the main producers of the game is Jesse Cox who Jesse Cox is a very huge YouTuber and Twitch streamer, mm-hmm. and uh, he's somebody that I've seen some some of his videos, and we have very similar uh, tastes in humor. So I knew when he was confident enough to put his money behind it, and his mouth and his marketing, and let people know that he evangelized this game. I was like, I definitely want to give it a chance because he's not somebody who plays Dating Sims all the time. He's just you know a Joe Schmo gamer that people like to watch. But hearing him want to be a producer of this game really said something Um, and the reason I asked if you had played fully through is that I don't know if this was in that build that you played the final song that they play at the end of the game is a really good song Uh, it's really catchy I don't even know the name of it off the top of my head but (sighs) it definitely rings as if you're watching a uh, you know a teenage movie a high school rom-com from like the 90s and like there's that whole culmination at the end of the movie that ends in like a like an upbeat punkish rockish kind of song it definitely has that flair to it yeah um it's it's just it's a solid game it's very cheap too i think it's like 12 bucks Um, So it's a a low barrier of entry. And uh, if you want any more thoughts, more concise, uh, written out thoughts, I do have an impressions video up that's about, I think like 5 or 6 minutes long on our YouTube channel, so definitely check that out if you want um, more condensed, precise thoughts on Monster Prom. The other game I played uh, was Lightfall. I don't know if you're familiar with Lightfall.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with this. I haven't played it myself though.
0: So a lot of positives and a lot of negatives, I think. Uh, Maybe not a lot of negatives. So I'm very particular with platformers. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I have a very finite way I like things to control, especially in platformers. And um, my biggest... I, I want to get the, the concern and the, the problems with that out of the way because there's so much I, I love about the game. My issue with the game is that it's very floaty for me. I think the yeah. platforming is is way too floaty for my tastes. But the reason it is floaty is because the main mechanic of the game is you're producing these... Um, these spheres below you—sorry, not spheres—cubes below you—that uh, uh that help you traverse. Um, and like any platformer, as you go on, the the levels get more difficult, and you have to kind of uh, you know, get comfortable with that mechanic. I just yeah. don't like floaty platformers. It's just something about me. Um, they're uh, I'm trying to think of the name of it. The developers between uh, behind um, Housemark. What was their platformer that they had on Xbox? Uh, I can't um... remember the name of it outland outland i tried outland because i respect housemark i think they make great games and i was like oh i'll check out outland it was actually i think free on xbox games with gold last year sometime couldn't get into it i just it's way too floaty i'm very particular about platformers and like floaty platformers i have a really tough time enjoying
1: um not that they're like difficult or anything i
0: just don't like them
1: no i agree with you um i think uh yeah, it, it. I'm. I'm kind of specific with my platformers as well. Like Super Meat Boy is like a really good platformer, and I and I acknowledge that. But I always felt like it f- felt kind of too loose at times, almost like it, yeah. like you're kind of you're out of control. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, I, under, I understand what you mean. So you're probably not a big fan of Little Big Planet and stuff like that.
0: Well, I mean, part I think Little Big Planet works because they set up the world in a way of like they're these like very toy looking characters that it would make sense for them to move in a, in a floaty fashion for mm-hmm. me with lightfall the character is like this little like demon light guy it reminds me a lot of uh ori from ori in the blind forest Though he's more like a lemur thing but like kind of the same thing and ori has very tight very specific controls whereas with lightfall it's just it doesn't match the character t- and the other the other problem i have is that for a game with a lot of amazing animations, like, if you're sprinting on the ground with this character, he ducks down and does, like, the classic trope anime run um, with his head down and his arms behind his back. Yeah. And it looks really cool and it feels really cool. Oh, so in terms of, like, wall jumping, early in the game they kind of showcase through gameplay design that, like, wall jumping is very important. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And there isn't really a lot of animation to it. Even with, like, uh, when you're holding onto ledges, there's just no animations there and it feels... I don't want to say... Cheap, because that's a, the wrong way to put it, but it just—it doesn't feel fully polished. Yeah. Um, and it just—it's—it's it's kind of a letdown there too, because you expect those kind of things. Uh, what I do want to say is, like, the art style is tremendous. Like, the art in this game is beautiful, and if you're somebody who looks at indie games for the art aspect, I would totally look at it. Um, I'm looking to write up a, an impressions video later this week, so that should be up. But yeah, Lightfall is all art and not a whole lot of substance to me, which is a shame, but um man the game is beautiful i just am not a huge fan of the gameplay specifically so
1: yeah i was interested in it i kind of had it on my radar it's been out for like a week now i haven't really heard any buzz from people or seen many impressions um i need to i don't know obviously the years are the first impressions i've i've heard but yeah it, it was one of those games that i wanted to check out when i was at pax a couple of weeks ago and i just never got the chance um but yeah i haven't heard a whole lot of buzz since it's come out so i didn't know if it was just like uh there was a negative response to it, or if it was just kind of like a, I don't know. I didn't. I just haven't not heard much about it, so I kind of have been interested in looking things up about that. So, yeah, I appreciate I don't be too, your own take on it.
0: I don't want to be overly negative. I think it's it's. I think it's a good game. I think it's a decent game. I just don't think there's any aspect of it outside of its art direction that is like great. Yeah, um, and it's kind of a shame because when you see the game and you see the cutscenes, like every cutscene in this game looks like a piece of art you'd find on like deviant art or just anywhere really like it, it's a it's a very beautiful game it's i just heard the, similar
1: things earlier in the year about uh fey that ea indie game that came out if you know what yeah. i'm talking about yeah, yeah about a lot of people said it was like gorgeous but it wasn't like the most fun to play necessarily yeah so.
0: and uh, life is interesting because i don't know if somebody who picks up this game who enjoys floaty type platformers would love it right i don't know if they just fall in love with it for me it, it just doesn't work and it, it sucks, too, because there's even more context in terms of it being floaty because you can't have a super precise, um, quick-moving platformer where you produce blocks underneath you because I think that would be a lot harder for it to work, especially yeah. in more difficult areas. You need it to be a little bit more floaty. But it just – it doesn't work for me fully. There's um, a really – the, the narrator is really funny and really interesting. Um, the lore and the story isn't really – it's like kind of cookie-cutter to be quite honest. Um I would say I would definitely suggest if you can get this game on a sale on uh, on Switch. I think it's a really fun Switch game to pick up and play, um, you know, just have fun with. Um, I don't know if this will be in the conversation for any type of awards at the end of the year. Uh, if it is, yeah. it's definitely the art direction. Um, like I said, I'll say it again. This game is very beautiful. It is a Kickstarter game. Uh, it is their first game, so I'm not, you know, I wouldn't assume that this is going to be a, a grand old thing out of the gate. Um, I am interested to see what their follow-up to this is, um, because they definitely know how to make a game look beautiful. I think it's just them having to tweak uh, gameplay, and once again, like I said, I think the the gameplay makes sense in the context of the other mechanics in the game, it just didn't work for me at all. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'll talk about it more in my impressions video, but that's pretty much all I have to say about Lightfall and Monster Prom. Uh, What did you play this week?
1: Uh, only God of War i'm still into that i beat god of war within like a day and a half that's how quickly i beat that game um and it is now it's now been out for is it two weeks or three i guess it's been out for two weeks now and uh yeah you yeah. still have not stopped playing that game um i'm trying to get the platinum i am getting close ish um yeah there's a lot of post-game content to that video game and i am enjoying all of it thoroughly Uh, so once I finally clear that out, then I will move on to whatever else. I don't really feel like a desire to move on to anything else right now. Not, uh, not just, I mean, part of, part of that is because I am still so in love with everything God of War is doing. I think it's safe to say that that's probably one of my favorite video games of all time at this point. Uh, that's how much I've enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, there's just really nothing else out that I'm feeling a need to, play right now uh Far Cry came out and that totally bounced off me I did not enjoy my time with Far Cry at all um and then yeah there's just not been too much else happening right now uh there is there's a couple things on the horizon that I'm looking at um namely I guess Dark Souls at the end of this month I would love to get into the the remaster but uh but yeah other than that uh it's mainly just been more God of War for me which I'm sure you guys have talked about (laughs) <laughs> on this show already in the past.
0: Yeah, oh so actually last week Dom talked about he's so Dom's finished the game. Jordan I think is like I want to say like nine or ten hours in. Mm-hmm. Um they they had a conversation uh the week he came out talking about the game in general and they were both thumbs up on it. Last week Dom discussed that he felt the uh that God of War, this God of War was um, the best game of this generation, which is surprising coming from him because he's a huge yeah. advocate for Bloodborne, um, and it, it was very interesting to hear his perspective on that. Yeah. Um, the, the interesting thing too with with uh, us is that Jordan loves the original trilogy of God of War games. Okay. Um, he loves um, mostly the the gameplay. Like, obviously, he's not you know saying yeah. that this story is crazy phenomenal or anything, but he really appreciates. The specific and unique gameplay that God of War brought. And yeah. uh, I think that's his biggest hang up with um, God of War is that not that the combat is necessarily different. He just doesn't think it's as um, fulfilling as a lot of people, a lot of other people are saying. Uh, he just wishes there were some tweaks there. Dom is, seems like he's in love with it. He has nothing but glowing praise um, for the game in general. So.
1: Yeah, I still am, I think I might be reaching a slight fatigue point with the combat, but it has taken me, I don't know, 40, 50 hours to get to that point, so yeah. that's a good thing, and even then, like, I'm still enjoying chucking the axe and calling it back, like, it, 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 there's still so many little satisfying things in that game that even as much as I have played now, I am still getting tons of thorough enjoyment out of. Uh, yeah, I think as far as it being, like, the best game this generation i've been i've been working through those same thoughts and feelings myself um i think it could be um on on my short list would be that bloodborne uh even though i never finished it i'd have to say the witcher 3 is obviously like one of the standout games of this generation and then um i don't don't know what we're considering switch games like maybe breath of the Wild up there i'm not i i don't know I I I I fluctuate on Breath of the Wild depending on the day. I love that game, <laughs> but there's I don't know, with with distance, I have I've, I've kind of cooled off on it just a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think I think God of War could be the best game this generation. I don't know. It's very hard to decide and I haven't even given that or conver- er, er, given that thought too much. I haven't put too much into that thought yet. Um, but yeah, it is I so you're finally getting a PS4 and you're getting it for Spider-Man, which is a good decision by the way because that will be here's 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 how much i like god of war i am more hyped for spider-man than any game that i have been in years spider-man should hands down be my favorite game of the year it probably will be my favorite game of the year uh until i played god of war and now i think differently and now i would be shocked if spider-man comes out and surpasses god of war for me and that's coming from somebody who does not really like the old god of war games that much obviously the combat's good but like I've never cared about that series really in any substantial way. Uh, so for this new one to come out and it, it, like, strike a chord with me, that much means a lot. So well, uh, you are in for a treat whenever you get your PS4. Try to try to hide yourself from spoilers if you can. I haven't I, seen I've, too I've many floating best. around, but yeah. there are some very good uh, moments in that game that I think – like you could obviously look up spoilers or whatever, or you could have it spoiled for you and still enjoy the game. But I, I, think there's an appreciation with how Sony Santa Monica like reveals the different layers of what is going on in that game and in that world that I that I find really cool. If you if you don't get it spoiled for you, so try to yeah. stay hidden if you can.
0: Well, I mean, I think it's going to be an uphill climb no matter what for Spider-Man because I just think the very nature of the d- the design of the, each of those games. Yeah, I think God of War. A more linearly structured game um with heavy narrative elements i think has a lot better chance of being an outstanding game than an open world game because i think you have to check a lot more boxes in open world game of trying to bring everything up to par
1: yeah um and i'm not
0: discounting god of war by any means well at the
1: same time though like spider-man 2 is like one of my five or six favorite video games ever like i can't I can't. I can't put into words how excited I am for Spider-Man. Yeah. Like I think about that game a dozen times a day. I am Same. so freaking excited to play that game, and uh, it is like the only game I have. Like I, I feel like I'm getting jaded to a certain degree. Or I, I don't. I don't get super hyped for video games anymore to come out. Like obviously, I'm still very excited to play them. And like freaking even with God of War, like I took the day off work to play that. Uh, so i am still very much out here for video games and i am loving video games but i have not had like a genuine like in my gut excitement for a game in i can't tell you how long until spider-man yeah and then for me to say well even even to still be that excited about spider-man and no it's probably not going to surpass god of war for me is like kind of crazy so but we'll see I've only had that feeling I think a handful of times in my life
0: in terms of getting that excited. Um, I think it was like when Pokemon Red and Blue came out when I was younger. Um, Off the top of my head these are just some of the ones I remember like I was super stoked for Oblivion when that Game Informer issue came out. Uh, The first Mass Effect obviously. Um, As of late I think the only other one I can remember outside of what I feel for Spider-Man is uh, Destiny. Um, before we we actually knew what destiny was the hype surrounding that game. Good Lord. Like I was was a lot of it. Yeah. I think I
1: pre-ordered that game like three years before it came out three or four years before it came out. I don't think
0: you were alone. Like there a lot of people did because they did an excellent job of building hype. Now the final result of the game hit or miss obviously, but man, did they do a good job of building up what that game could possibly be. Um, before we move on to news, you were talking about obviously the, is this the game of the generation? Um, You know, for us, our game of the year in 2016 was Dark Souls 3. Our game of the year last year was Super Mario Odyssey. Um, Mm -hmm. In terms of uh, as a podcast group, Dom loved Breath of the Wild. Uh, Jordan and I, not so much. Um, Yeah. I actually played Breath of the Wild for maybe 25 to 30 hours, and I was a hard out. Um, Yeah. I just, I play a lot of open world games. And though there are some interesting things that, that, you know, Breath of the Wild tackles, I just don't think it's as revolutionary as everybody likes to talk about it. I think a lot of that is uh, hyperbole to the max. Yeah, um,
1: yeah, I got kind of jaded. If I'm being completely honest, like, I think Breath of the Wild is a phenomenal game, 10 out of 10. Like, that was what, that's what I was It's a great score. game, yeah. But I got jaded with how people talked about it because, yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I think that game is absolutely wonderful. And it is hands down one of the best games of last year. But the hyperbole, yes, with that game. Like, uh, to talk about Max, my old co-host, or my friend, um, he's been on this show too. Right? Has he been on the show? Oh, yeah, he's he's been on the podcast. Yeah, so Max was like, Max played Breath of the Wild before Horizon, and so... He, after after he played Breath of the Wild and then he, re- he went to Horizon, he was like, yeah, I just don't think I can play Horizon anymore. I think Breath of the Wild broke open-world games for me. I'm like, how does it break open-world games for me? It do- it's doing something different, yes, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's how every open-world game should be for the rest of forever. What that game yeah. does really well is allows you to explore, which is what... Zelda games kind of is have always or going back to the original Zelda game that's kind of what the purpose of the original Zelda game was and they just hone back in on that everybody thinks that it was a very revolutionary thing for open world games as a whole where I think it is just not every open world game is about exploring and that was obviously the root element that Breath of the Wild went with and I don't think that should be the root element of all open world games like I don't know, like, it, it, it's fun, it's fun turning over stones in, in the world and finding things that nobody else has found, uploading a clip to Twitter or whatever, and being like, wow, I didn't know you could do that, but like, uh, yeah, it doesn't, I, I don't think it is needs to drastically change open world games well, or anything like that.
0: And, uh, <laughs> frankly, I think there's a lot of open world games that do a lot of things better than it does, um, and I like specific parts of it. I, my problem with Breath of the Wild, I don't want to go on a huge tangent. Because I've talked about it at nauseum for a while, is like, for me, I love that the world is huge and expansive. It seems like it's a lot of the time playing the game. It felt like it was big for the sake of being big. Like I don't really think that the world is particularly interesting, in my opinion. Like,
1: um, kind of, yeah. I, I liked, just, I liked how big it was, though, on a personal note. Like, yeah. it, it, Again, to go back to that exploration thing, like. I think for the exploration to really work, you had to feel like you were in a world that was fully realized to a degree. So I, I think it almost had to be that size if they really wanted to get that effect properly.
0: Yeah, I just think like a lot of the areas are empty with very sparse areas of interest. Um, mm-hmm. The towns and places aren't really heavily populated and the little the little amount of you know characters they have in areas, I personally didn't really find interesting or well-written obviously this is a lot of like personal gripes um i do i do love the sheer spectacle of the divine beasts i love the mm-hmm. puzzle elements of that um another huge problem i had with the game is the deteriorating like uh weapons and stuff i just yeah i didn't i didn't really gel with that and in, in the way it worked with the game um you would go through the shrines and you would get this item and it's like oh you got this upgraded version of a bow or sword and i'm like Cool. I can use that like in three fights. Why should I care? Like, yeah, that was my biggest problem with it. Is like, why would I? Sh- why should I care about any of these rewards if they're not gonna be around with me for the long time? And then obviously, there's a whole philosophical argument there of like, well, yeah, just because something doesn't isn't with you the whole time, it doesn't mean it's not great. But it, it just seemed like a weird disconnect there of like, what's yeah. the point of me doing these more difficult shrines if I'm if this thing is gonna be around with me a smidge longer than something else? It just they didn't correlate well with me. Um, a lot of the game just didn't. And I think a lot of it was just people being so hyperbolic about the game. I think yeah, it was... I think
1: there's some, like, very legitimate gripes that people can have with that game. And, I yeah. like, I understand everything you're saying right now, which then makes the hyperbole on the other side that much more, uh, I don't want to say disingenuous because, I like, if that's the opinion some people have about it, then so be it. But, yeah, like, I, I think there are some very legitimate gripes to potentially be had with that game. Uh and again, like that's coming from somebody who personally said I'd probably give it a ten out of ten too if I was reviewing it. Like I think it is one of the standout games of the past few years. Um but there are flaws with it, I think. And uh it it a lot of it's pre- a lot of it's preferential too. Like you didn't like yeah. the deteriorating deteriorating weapon system. Uh for some reason I didn't find that That annoying. And I hate that stuff normally. So yeah. I don't know. It's- we I could I could I could talk about this <laughs> game for hours because yeah. there are so many different avenues of it to analyze that people have talked about for the past year. Because, yeah, that game's been out for over a year I, now, geez. It,
0: I played the game, obviously, for, like, 30 hours. I understand why it's great. I think it's a very solid game. I think it's a very well-built game. Um, I would never say the game's bad by any means. Um, yeah. It just people talking about it revolutionizing a genre of video games. To me, it's like, oh, it revolutionized maybe Legend of Zelda as a franchise and showed you a yeah. new way that, that that franchise can be explored in future games. It didn't really do that for me in open world games like i'm like nothing here is necessarily new or crazy it's just like all yeah, that of them was working kind of well the, together that
1: was the takeaway but, i had as well i, th- I felt yeah. like it was a bigger f- step for the franchise more than like the genre so
0: for me it's like and you know it's going to be a loose comparison but for me it's like it's like if you played assassin's creed 2 and then jump to assassin's creed origins like assassin's creed 2 great game right Assassin's Creed Origins is the next step for that franchise, and you're kind of cutting out everything in between. I don't necessarily Mm -hmm. think it's, you know, Assassin's Creed 2 to, like, The Last of Us or Portal or something that, like, changed the game industry. You know what I mean? It's just, like,
1: yeah,
0: it's a solid game. It just, yeah, we're, we're a podcast that Dom loves Breath of the Wild, and Jordan and I respect that it's a good game, but we just weren't on the hype train. Like, me and him just felt that Super Mario Odyssey just did so much more in a better way and it kind of it approached what zelda did but in the opposite way of it kind of tightened up a mario experience and the levels weren't huge but a lot of the areas of it were meaningful um and that's kind of why it was our personal game of the year like yeah that was
1: that you can no, we did we had the exact same argument during our game of the year on mgs which i'm sure you can go back and listen to yeah we argued for like 40 minutes at the end between super mario odyssey and uh and uh breath of the wild so that was fun but Super uh, Mario Odyssey eventually won.
0: Yeah. In terms of uh, greatest games of the generation, my most underrated game, uh, because I think, and we can go on to the news after this, I just want to say, my most underrated game, because we're going to be talking about them later in the news, is Quantum Break. I think that game got a bad rap um, because it was mixed in with all of the Microsoft like TV stuff, obviously, and like parts of there's the television show in between the episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you take that game, Out of the context of being related to TV and all that stuff, it's a very solid game. Now, am I saying it's a 10 or a 9? No. But I think people trash on the game and act like it's a bad game. It's a very solid game. That game has some of the best graphics I've seen this generation in terms of just assets and the way things look and some great performances. I forget the name of the actor, but the guy who plays Littlefinger in Game of Thrones is the main villain in Quantum Break, and I think he does a great job. Um I don't remember the actor who plays the the lead character either. Ashton, Ashton. Something.
1: Sean. I don't Ash- say it's not, yeah. Ashmore. Sean Ashmore, I think. Is that it? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um. I think the the time mechanics in the game are brilliant and stuff. I just think it's a unnecessarily bad rap. And unfortunately, Remedy has these games that come out and they don't sell well. Right. We had they had Alan Wake, which I thought it was a phenomenal Alan Wake is awesome. Well. Yeah. Yeah. I loved Alan Wake. Um. Yeah. I guess we'll we'll hop over to news. Um, Speaking of God of War, we were obviously talking about how God of War could possibly be the best game of this generation and how you just can't get it out of your mind. A lot of people couldn't get it out of their mind leading up to the release because it sold 3.1 million units in its first three days globally. Um, This is by way of the PlayStation blog. It becomes the fastest selling PS4 exclusive. Um, It toppled Uncharted and and, and the like by quite a bit. Uh, Uncharted 4 sold 2.7 million copies in its first weekend. Um, So that's trumped that. Um, it's, it's astounding because God of War sells really well, but to see it sell this well is really crazy. People really bought into this new look for the game. Um, yeah. it's, how, how do you feel? Do you think these, these, uh, you know, these sales numbers, are they justified? It seems like it, right? It's a yeah.
1: game. Well, it's a phenomenal game for starters. Um, and obviously one, a lot of people have been waiting for, for a long time. Um, but it's really... Uh, it's really one of the standout like flagship games that have come over from last last gen two. Like Kratos is already a recognizable character, so he's got like ten years of uh, branding built up, I guess. So for some people, they may have actually finally bought a PS4 for this game. Uh, as far as, like, toppling Uncharted, it's not really that surprising because the install base has grown by how many tens of millions since Uncharted 4 came out. Exactly, uh, We're at almost 80 million now, I think, installs, or the install base for PS4. Uh, so for it to it only be Uncharted by, like, what, 500,000 copies or something like that? I think. Or no, I think it was, like, 2.6 million for Uncharted... Uh, within its first week and this did 3.1 million in three days so I guess yeah. it was obviously on a way higher trajectory but uh, yeah with the install base being higher now it's not that surprising and uh, yeah I think just the game itself is just uh, it's just something you, you want to play for yourself because especially if you have played the past games and to see what, what a departure this is now you want to kind of get in there and figure out what's going on and what they've changed and if you if it's vibing with you. Uh, the one interesting thing I will say, though, about this that uh, really stood out to me is that Sony did almost no previews for this game. Obviously, the press did their previews about a month before launch or whatever, uh, but this game was noticeably quiet at events. When I went to PAX a few weeks ago, we assumed it would be there because it was, like, three weeks before God of War was supposed to come out and what a better way to build up some hype or whatever than have people get really on board and talk about God of War. No, the game was not there. They, they really never showcase this game publicly at all until like the final month with preview coverage outlets and stuff like that. Like, I, I don't know if you watched PSX last year or anything either, uh, but a lot of people going into that were expecting like a huge blowout event for PSX. And we'd see so much stuff and I think they showed like a ninety-second trailer. And that was all we well, it got. It was it was a couch talk essentially. There was a yeah, well it was a, well he talked he talked about it for a little bit and then he showed off a new gameplay clip and that was like ninety <laughs> seconds. And, and there was, was a it. weird
0: back and forth between him and uh, Corey Barlog of like, mm-hmm. hey, you should be making the game
1: right now. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. So, like, so over the course of that game's lifespan, we saw the original reveal trailer and that gameplay from E3 2016. We saw another trailer in E3 2017. We saw like a 90 second clip at PSX, and then the game was pretty much out. So they really yeah. did nothing for this game, and it sold that well, uh, which I think says a lot about the confidence that they had in it. That they didn't really necessarily need it to get into people's hands at conventions or anything like that. Uh, Like it wasn't playable at E3 last year either unless you had like an appointment with them behind closed doors or whatever. Um, But yeah, they totally knew what they had on their hands and they're like, yeah, we're fine. We don't really need to show this off or preview this too hard. We'll do our typical media rounds and stuff like that. And yeah, people people are going to get into this. We know people will be into this and they clearly were.
0: What's well, crazy to point out that and see how a lot of their other first-party games? It seems like at this point we're starting to see a little too much before they yeah. come out.
1: Yeah, yeah. Spider-Man's like exclusive month-long coverage over on Game Informer and stuff like that. It's like even Death Stranding is still like two years away. Um, yeah, uh, help
0: me out here. The the zombie game. I, I uh, days gone. Days gone. Where is that at? We've seen that as much as we've seen uh, God of War. Uh, yeah. Quantum Break isn't out yet, though. It's coming out soon. We've seen we the Connor demo
1: for Detroit: Become Human probably a thousand times at this point. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, like Detroit, we've seen like I think of like obviously Detroit's been in uh, the public eye a little bit longer, but like think about how much we've seen of Detroit over the years compared to like God of War. Like it's like almost three to one probably.
0: Well, even remember when we saw the Cara demo back when the ps4 launched
1: that was uh, yeah well i don't even think the ps4 had been was it revealed yet or i, I think it, it was
0: 2014 when they showed off the car demo okay Might have been 2013 yeah uh, and it was like showing
1: yeah. the power of the hardware or whatever
0: well, the crazy yeah. thing too is like uh the last figures we kind of got were i think 79 million ps4 units mm-hmm. um and it's crazy to say, like 3.1 million units is impressive when it's the fastest selling PS4 exclusive. Well, a couple of weeks ago we got the news that Nintendo uh, Super Mario Odyssey has sold over 10 million copies, and there's 17 million <laughs> Switches. That is yeah. insane. Uh, and Nintendo is still the king of attach rates. Like, I don't yeah, think PlayStation and Breath, Xbox of had had over, Breath of the Wild had an over
1: Breath uh, of the Wild haven't had an an over 100% attach rate. I think a month At after launch. launch. Yep. Yeah which is, it is just stupid. <laughs> it is
0: it is insane to show how much people still love Mario when will buy a Nintendo con- a console for Mario specifically. Yeah. Um and Mario Kart it's it's crazy. Uh I'm interested to see where the final numbers shake out on God of War. Um an interesting thing with it is it's a single player game. And I want to see how uh, GameStop returns and stuff affect that of, like, people trading it in and then a lot of people just buying it used, you know, um, and how that all mm-hmm. shakes out. I don't think it's going to be drastic or anything. I still think God of War is going to sell tremendously, but yeah. um, it's – we're getting cl- – people are, are fighting this reality where, I mean, I've talked about in on the podcast before. I have friends who will j- legitimately look at a game and say, I'm not paying $60 for a game that just has a, a, a campaign. And it's shocking to me. Because obviously I come from the perspective as you and as of other people that we talk to is like multiplayer versus single player doesn't matter. The amount of hours you don't spend with it don't matter. It's like, what's the value there in terms of you playing the game and the experience you have? Yeah. And it's just so shocking that there are a lot of people who think that way. And there's a reason why games are turning into more multiplayer-focused experiences is because people don't want to buy single-player games. Whether it's a 40 to 50-hour campaign like God of War we can put in a bunch of time into it, or it's like an eight-hour campaign, right? It just... People don't want to hear single player because they don't think they're getting value for sixty dollars, which is crazy to me. But it is it is something that's you know a reality.
1: Yeah, I don't even. Yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> even know what to say to yeah. that. Like, like like those same people will like probably go see a movie for twelve or fifteen bucks or whatever, and it's what ninety minutes to two hours. It's like how exactly. Does, how does that so translate? Can, uh, yeah, I'm so confused here. If 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 I gauged everything by the amount of time I put into it, then uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't really know what I would I would pay for, especially if like memberships and things like that. So yeah, it just but,
0: it doesn't it, it, it that that thought process doesn't make sense to me a lot of times. I'm like, what, <laughs> you know? But it is what it is. Um, let's hop into the next couple of news stories here. Kind of grouping them up there about games we're going to be seeing at E3. Um, as if you guys didn't know, Logan's actually going to be joining us for one of our Predictions podcasts. I believe the Bethesda one, if I'm correct. I think one that's of what
1: I said. Yeah. I'm pretty
0: sure, yeah. So he'll be on later, uh, closer to E3, and you'll be able to hear him talk about Bethesda with us. Um, but in terms of what we're going to be seeing, we had a couple of announcements in terms of some games we're going to be seeing. One was announcement, one was more of like a, I wouldn't say a leak, just information that popped out regarding CD Projekt Red. Um, but the first one I want to tackle is Remedy Games. Earlier I talked about Quantum Break, we also mentioned Alan Wake. Um, their P7, their Project 7 that they've been working on, the game that they've, You know, kind of just focused on for the last couple of years. It's not going to be an Xbox exclusive, uh, but they did announce that it's going to be revealed at E3 2018 via via an earnings call, which is kind of where we hear about a lot of this stuff. You know, they need to talk to their investors and let them know when these games are coming out. Uh, This game is being published by 505 Games. In the past, a lot of their games have been published by Microsoft, hence the exclusivity. This one is being published by 505 Games. Uh, It's kind of described as a cinematic third-person action game, which is, duh, a Remedy game, doesn't really say much. That's kind of their M.O. when it comes to video games, Uh, except for a release uh, in 2019, which is next year. And uh, they also stated that they have another game in development, which I assume is uh, probably in pre-pro that they're going to be shifting over to once this game is uh, finished in development. Um, and that one, they haven't really speculated, is that an Xbox exclusive or is it not? Uh, they just stated specifically that P7 won't be. They didn't say, like, we're done with our relationship with Xbox or anything. It wasn't like a falling out. Um, it just seemed like they wanted to shift to make something that they could uh, put on all platforms. Um, it's, it's interesting. They, they, they kind of, like we, I previously, uh, previously mentioned, um, they, their games are good games. They just don't seem to sell very well. Yeah, they're um, pretty
1: niche, honestly. Like, yeah. There's an audience for them ob- out there. like You and me clearly really appreciate bo- uh, both of their last outings with uh, Alan Wake and uh, Quantum Break. But uh, yeah, and I-, I can understand how it's kind of a niche thing because, uh, I mean, again, back to the whole single-player game, not that those are necessarily for one audience of people obviously there's a lot of people out there for it that are into it but uh their their games do play kind of differently i'll say like there's not it doesn't have the broad appeal of like a first person shooter or something like that It's it doesn't like like watching watching footage of it i could see how people would be like yeah i don't know if this is for me or anything like that especially since a lot of a lot of their games do hinge on the narrative as well so if you're not looking for a narrative story then yeah our narrative story, that's a little redundant. I mean,
0: but. That's the thing is, like, you know, we're constantly, and we're going to be talking about Xbox a little later. I would love for Xbox to buy Remedy because I think they are a studio that you can give some more resources, Jesus Christ, I can't talk, resources behind and make them into a flagship first-party studio making stuff because their games, like the narrative-driven stuff, that can really do well as a first-party exclusive, right? I just... yeah. They're a studio that's sitting there and their games are, are high quality in terms of production. I think their games come out and they, they run well, they look beautiful. It's the some of the weird choices they make or some of the the genre choices they make in terms of broad appeal. Like Alan Wake was a great game. Didn't you know horror games don't tend to sell as well as other games, right? In in terms of Quantum Break all that weird TV stuff they mixed in, though I enjoyed some of it because the, the TV show aspect of it was a little campy. If they were to, were, were to have stripped that out and made it a solid game, I do think there's a really cool narrative there with time travel and stuff, and the performances were really well done. And I think that that could have been molded into a first-party exclusive that could have turned into something bigger. It just didn't work out really well. So I'm really interested yeah. to see where P7 is. I think 505 Games is about the level of publisher you would assume for them to partner with. Um, so it it makes sense I'm excited to see what it is Uh, like like I said it's funny that they label it as a cinematic third person action game it's like yeah it's a remedy game (laughs) that doesn't tell us anything you know um the other bit of news wasn't even uh, released by uh, CD Projekt Red. This was via no. an E3 2018 exhibitor directory. It listed that CD Projekt Red was going to be showing up with an untitled RPG at E3 2018. Obviously, we assume that that's Cyberpunk 2077. They're not going to be showing off The Witcher 4 because that isn't a thing. Um, I'm one sure it's or- a
1: thing somewhere on a piece of paper, but yeah. that's about it.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's interesting to see how their their licensing is with, with Witcher Two, and they don't really have as much to go off of because the the it, it it's tough. Uh, just I'll just leave it at that. Um, but one of the things that people are questioning is if maybe they changed the title of Cyberpunk Twenty Seventy Seven, which is an interesting take on them labeling it as Untitled RPG. Um, the the easier assumption there is that they didn't want people to know that we're definitely no. showing off Cyberpunk Twenty Seventy Seven. They just want to write that's so that you know,
1: clearly wasn't even supposed to be released either because it was scrubbed like hours after people discovered it if you go to that page right now where it listed that they are showing a role-playing game it is totally not listed there um so we'll yeah we'll we'll see it, it was the other interesting thing I, I guess the more interesting thing to me uh well first I'll first I'll touch on the name change they're totally not changing the name I absolutely that game has branding already like believe it or not their Twitter account has like hundred and ten thousand followers they're yeah. not I I don't think they're changing the name at this point Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven even though it is not a great name it is a known quantity and I yeah. I, I don't think there's any chance that they change the name do you think it would because, have a
0: subtitle below it though do you think it might be Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven something
1: um, cause no, it, it doesn't it doesn't s- necessarily mean like removing you know it could be adding something or yeah, I mean they could i guess it's been that name for what five six years now it's, or something like that based
0: off of a single trailer which is crazy a single yeah trailer yeah
1: yeah uh i' I don't know they uh they, they they could I guess I, I don't know there'd be a way to surprise people but no I mean I, I don't know cyberpunk 2077 for, for <laughs> yeah despite only having that one trailer it is something a fair amount of people are excited for and are looking forward to and I, I think it would be strange to uh, change that too much at this point since people know what the name of the game is yeah um, as far as uh I can't remember what the second point the th- other thing I was going to say was maybe Uh, i'll remember in a a second release window maybe um yeah oh that that's what i was going to say so it was it listed for ps4 xbox one and pc a lot of people have theorized that this is probably a next gen game i don't know um yeah i don't know i have no idea i i guess as far as like release window goes i also don't really know that because they it, it i've always been under the impression that this game is still very very far out like maybe 2020 at the earliest um but if they're ready to show it off at E3, which I was not expecting until recently, uh, then that will be very interesting. And you'd have to imagine that they're 12 to 18 months from release, especially with the way that, uh, especially with how quiet they've been surrounding the project, you would assume that once they decide to show things off, they're kind of gearing up in that last final stretch there of production. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? When do you think well, is coming?
0: There was a report and, uh, I can't remember where exactly it was from, so forgive me for that for not saying the specific outlet. But they were talking about like during an earnings call apparently that CD Projekt Red mentioned that this game is coming out at the by the end of uh, the 2018 fiscal year, 2019 fiscal year. So okay, that'd be like March of 2020. March of 2020 at the latest. Yeah. yeah. No, that makes so, sense. Uh, and also, they got a lot of funding from the Polish government, and yes. uh, there there was a report stating that like. Something about in order to meet the meet the standards for them to get the money or for them to qualify. Or.
1: They just opened a new studio over there. I didn't know if you knew that, but yeah, they yeah. just opened a full new studio that's like in totally dedicated to Cyberpunk. As far as
0: Roaklaw, Poland. I'm probably saying that yeah. in that city yeah. wrong.
1: Um, yeah, to fully
0: focus on it, um, and I guess in order to meet the the Polish government's demands or whatever in terms of getting the funding, they had to meet a specific like a release date. Um in a in an optimistic grand world I I would love to see this come out spring of, of next year. Uh my guess is that it's slated for fall 2019 and gets pushed to spring of 2020. That's what my assumption would be. I the yeah. dreamer in me wants spring 2019. There's people that think this game is coming out this year which are crazy. Um, um no. my my thing is is that I think CD Project Red is smart and I think that they wouldn't show off this game this year unless they could put some form of 2019 on the date, right? The release window. Yeah. Um, because whether you release it in January of 2019 or December of 2019, it still feels like only a year away from E3, right, um, mm-hmm. to the general consumer. So I don't think they would show it this year unless they knew they were going to be able to put that 2019 on it. Like I said, my assumption is that it's 2019 fall and it gets pushed to spring. Um, because that's how big games like that tend to work. Um, like I said, the optimist in me would love spring 2019, but I just don't see that happening personally.
1: Yeah, the second they open this can of worms and actually finally start talking about this game a little bit more is the second when people are going to be all over the release date thing. Uh, also... So I, I agree with you. I think whenever they do decide to show it off, that it has to be 2019 probably. Yeah. Uh, because people are... I mean, the, people are people have accepted that they were they we're in this just kind of middle ground with this game right now. And, oh, we'll know about it when we know about it because that's how it's been for five years. Uh, but the second they finally come back and they're like, okay, here it is. Here's gameplay. Here's the next trailer. Here's this, this, and this. People are going to be like, oh, gosh, when can I get my hands on this? When can I play this? And then if you say coming soon or there's no release date, that's when people will get agitated. Though, it's like people are going to play this game regardless. Like, it sci-fi game for the people who did The Witcher? Okay, that's... That's a very quick, easy selling point for me. Thank you very much. I will yeah. happily buy that game. So. Well, And so people have been talking about where this game is going to
0: show up during E3. A couple of things I want to say. One, people think that all of these like, random third-party AAA games are going to appear on Sony stage. If you look at their track record the last couple of years, they don't really even have room for a lot of games. They have all of their first-party lineup. They usually include Call of Duty, obviously. And then they usually have a big Japanese... Um, game, a third-party game, whether that be the Kingdom Hearts of the World, the Final Fantasy remakes, or Monster Hunter World that we saw last year. Um, I assume that this year we'll see Devil May Cry, if that's real, Um, Kingdom Hearts 3, hopefully, and then Call of Duty. Um, Concerning Cyberpunk, there's a really strong relationship between Xbox and the guys at CD Project Red. Um, They announced Gwent on their stage. Um, a lot of times when there's things announced for Gwent, um, they come up on the Xbox blog and stuff and obviously it's yeah. just, it's whatever, but it seems like the last couple of years they've had a working relationship with one another. And I could definitely like, if I, if you, you know, said you have to make a decision and put your life savings on where this is going to end up, I would put my money on Microsoft hundred percent. Um, I, I, I think that's the strongest place to guess that we're going to see it at it's just that Sony is so focused on its own first party stuff and they're, they're, they don't even show a lot of their own games. Uh, they, they put them in the pre-show. Um, and they're not really interested in showing a lot of indies anymore. They're just very tight and focused on their show. And I think outside of like devil may cry five kingdom hearts and uh, call of duty. I don't know if they'll fit in anything or want to fit in anything. Um, they have the marketing rights to red dead. If, if rockstar decided to show up to three for once, um, but like I, I definitely think Cyberpunk is going to be on Microsoft stage, hundred percent.
1: Um, I think it's a good bet. I think it's something that if Microsoft, Microsoft, would obviously, both publishers would obviously be keyed in if they knew that they were going to reveal it soon. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think Microsoft makes the most sense. I agree with you there. Um, whether or not they end up pulling them over or not, we'll see. Uh, but yeah maybe they have maybe they have pretty good uh, relationships with those European developers isn't uh, isn't the team at Metro aren't they from Europe yep uh, Remedy is also from Europe uh, there you go so, yeah they got the they got that uh, that European market over there
0: well I they also was. have uh, they also have a couple of first party studios in Europe as well the guys behind Forza and yeah stuff, so.
1: the lionhead used to be there obviously <laughs> He used to yeah, um, yeah. It just, what, is I, it, what is is turn 10 over there? Yeah, Turn is that 10. What is. Turn 10 and then <clears throat> there's somebody else I thought over there. Maybe I'm wrong. A rare. Rare's also uh, a Yeah, that's right. That's right. Duh.
0: Um yeah, so I, I definitely think Cyberpunk's gonna be on, on Microsoft Stage, but we'll see. Um speaking of Xbox though, I wanted to cover this, but I kind of want to get to our big topic, so we're just gonna go over this quickly. Okay. Um speaking of the E3 conference for Xbox, somebody tweeted to Phil Spencer and said, Are we gonna see JRPGs on your stage this year? Um, And Phil Spencer replied, as of now, yes, things can change. But like last year, I wanted to make sure we supported our Japanese publishers on our stage. And this year we are working to do the same. It's important to us. Um, So that's cool. We're going to be seeing JRPGs. Are they new games? Are they ports? We don't know. There's some rumors floating around that it could possibly be a Nier Automata port. Cool. That'd be really cool. That game saw a lot of success and people love that game. Is it a new JRPG? I mean, they own Blue Dragon. They own Lost Odyssey. Could it be a sequel to one of those? Maybe. Um, it's weird the whole situation with Scalebound people felt that like Microsoft was done dealing with Japanese publishers and developers Mm -hmm. that's not the case Um, also uh, Code Vein to some extent is also a Japanese RPG Um, we haven't seen that that's obviously from Bandai Namco that's the anime inspired Dark Souls game that's meant to come out this year we still haven't seen it Um, so it's, it's it's cool to hear that they're gonna have JRPGs whether or not we don't know it's ports or new games so it's like it's a toss up, but it's cool to see Phil Spencer acknowledge that also kind of covers tracks and say, you know, things change. So maybe not. But as of now, you know, because those things get shuffled around and you don't know what you want to include and stuff like that. And we as, we really don't know how late rights to stuff gets bought up in terms of marketing and stuff, you know. So yeah. there could be things that you include and then, oh, sorry, we can't include that because rights went somewhere else. And it's like, oh, we can't, you know. I think a lot of this stuff isn't necessarily up to the last like ten minutes of E3, but I think there is a lot of stuff that gets shuffled around, shuffled around leading up to the week of that we just mm-hmm. don't even think about. So it's interesting. I don't know how much weight that holds for you, Jap- uh, Japanese RPGs being on the Xbox stages here.
1: Um, yeah, not shocking um, because I, we, we know how much Phil has tried to continue to bridge that relationship over there or bridge that gap over there and improve that relationship. Um, it seems like the Xbox in Japan is never going to be a thing, but it doesn't help to at least uh, try to play nice with the Japanese uh, developers and publishers so that they can bring the game to Western markets at the very least. Uh, I think Nier's a good shot because they were never really against that after yeah. how positive uh i'm pretty sure this is like going way back in the bank um because i remember reporting on a story about this last year but one of the producers of near back in the day said something along the lines of like the reason that they didn't bring it to xbox was just because they didn't want to split time up between two versions of the game or something like that and even though it is pretty much a straight port from one console to the other it still takes up a fair amount of time and that was basically the only reason that they didn't do it yeah uh, Seeing how well it sold and seeing that it has been like Platinum Games' guiding light, it would make total sense for them to bring it to Xbox as well because that's a rather large install base. Uh, it totally makes sense for that game to come to Xbox. I've actually been thinking that should happen sooner rather than later. Uh, and then, yeah, I don't know what. There's like Black Desert Online too. I know that's an uh, MMO, Yakuza but... is another good choice. The Yakuza series. That i don't think those will ever come over i really don't those, they, those, <laughs> yeah they would be good but those are more action games anyway i don't know if i'd say those are JRPGs, but i don't know yeah near makes the most sense um and then like i said black desert's another one that i know of that is that's an mmo but still i don't know they showed that last year on their stage so give me tales of again. berseria <laughs> there you I th-
0: go. I think those are already on Xbox. Maybe I don't know. I'm not super familiar. I can't with the Tales remember series. if Tails. Uh, I think somewhere. one of them. I think is um, yeah yeah. Uh, before we hop into the last news of Red Dead Redemption Two, kind of details coming out after the third trailer released. Um, there's a couple of stats here from the Xbox blog. I want to touch on real quick. Uh, they reported that Xbox Live players are up 13 percent. Xbox One sales are up 15 percent over the same period last year. So those are both good good trends. Um, 1.2 million clubs were created on Xbox Live. Obviously, that's a new feature that they launched, uh, I want to say two years ago on E3 Stage. I'm talking about clubs and letting people create their own little communities in uh, on Xbox Live. Um, one billion hours in Xbox One backward compatibility, um, showcasing that people do, in fact, play their old games on their system, um, which is really cool. Obviously, it's one of the better things that Xbox has going for it is the ability to put in an Xbox 360 game or even an Xbox game now and have it work on your console. As of the day of recording this, they recently added Dragon Age 2 to the backwards compatibility. Um, Though that isn't a tremendously uh, great game, it's still another addition to the backwards compatibility library. And lastly, 200 plus games now with Xbox One X enhancements, which is really cool to showcase that so many people are behind. you know, improving their performance of their games for these these systems, these powerful systems, these incremental, uh, you know, powerful boys. Um, yeah, I don't think there's much to say there. Just some cool numbers. Uh, there's some other stuff with Mixer, but who cares? Um, let's yeah, talk about.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I well, just real quick on that. The one thing I will say, um, it's been nice kind of getting back in the Xbox ecosystem because I bought my Xbox One X, and I've definitely found myself trending in that direction a little bit more to play recently over the past six months so that's been nice I've actually really enjoyed kind of sinking back way more time into my Xbox than I was in the past at least so that's been good I am enjoying Xbox quite a bit right now and they're doing they're doing well for themselves even though they get a lot of hate on the interwebs and I don't really understand why but Me Xbox is doing good
0: <laughs> I have a question for you um, because yeah. you own both systems. It might be different because you own an Xbox One X, so this isn't maybe apples to apples, unless you own a ps Do you own a PS4 Pro or I a own, PS4?
1: Yeah, I own a Pro too.
0: Okay, so from what I've heard, and obviously I don't own a PS4, so I don't know. All I know is yeah. my experience with my Xbox. My Xbox is relatively quiet. I hear a lot that the PS4s have a, a, a volume issue sometimes um, in terms of being loud.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, that thing gets real loud when I'm playing God War, when I'm playing God of War. I think That's it's crazy it's very loud. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like, it's not like PS2 loud back in the day or anything like yeah. that, but you can like, you can hear it for sure. Yeah.
0: It's, it's it just it funny is. because I think Xbox really took the red
1: ring to heart, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And they're like, no, not anymore. Um, yeah. We so. need an internal cooling system in this thing. Get some, get some of that weird vapor cooling or whatever the heck that thing is. Yeah. Um, The last news story here before we close out the show, uh, Red
0: Dead Redemption 2 had its third and final trailer this week. People thought it was going to maybe show um, actual, like, uh, gameplay with a HUD and stuff, or multiplayer nope. stuff. It didn't. It was just another cinematic story trailer showing off more of the game. Um, some key points I want to touch on. Whenever you want to interject, feel free to Logan, and then we'll kind of go over in general our anticipation for Red Dead Redemption 2 and what we expect of it. Um, first off, the trailer featured a younger, junger, uh, younger, 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 a younger John Marston um, with cuts on his face. Obviously, in Red Dead Redemption, he has scars on his face, and these are kind of showing where he gets those cuts, which is really cool. It was also the first reveal, if I'm not... It was the first reveal of John Marston in Red Dead Redemption 2, correct? This yeah. the first I mean, time I we think, had official confirmation.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think we all knew he'd be in it because just, yeah. But, yeah, this is the first time we've seen him.
0: Yeah, we also get a glimpse at the potential main villain of the game, which is this bald, very um, entitled-looking gentleman who looks like he's... Um, part of the law, and obviously the, the main enemy of Cowboys is the law. Um, and yeah, it's played by an actor who's, I wouldn't say he's famous, but I would say he's definitely a known character actor. It seems like it's played by him. We haven't had any confirmation, but it definitely looks like him. It looks like it was mocap. Um, it was also revealed via IGN's uh, stories that came out after the trailer. They got kind of got an exclusive on some details regarding Red Dead Redemption 2. that There's not going to be any protagonist swapping. So if you remember in GTA V, it was known for having the three main characters, Michael, Franklin, and Trevor, and you were able to switch to them. They all had individual story missions and met up with one another at certain instances in the main storyline. You're not doing that in this game. You're playing as Arthur Morgan, um, and solely Arthur Morgan. Uh, do you is that surprising to you, Logan, or do you like yeah? They probably want to go back to that.
1: Um, it's not. I, I don't know if I'd say it's surprising. It's something I'm personally happy about because I didn't really. The longer I played GTA, the less I really liked the swapping thing. Um, so yeah, I'm glad it, I'm glad it'll hone in on one character this time around.
0: Yeah. A couple of the other bullet points here aren't necessarily a like, game-changing. There's stuff you would assume in like the evolution of a uh, Rockstar open-world game. But I do want to touch on the last two things. So, the Outlaw camp, you've seen it featured in a couple of the Red Dead Redemption 2 trailers. It's, you know, everyone out at a camp in the middle of a forest or in the middle of a desert, and there's a big fire and there's a lot of people around it. In the latest trailer, you actually saw a glimpse of it panning around to all of the different characters surrounding the fire, which seems like they're going to be your, your gang. And uh, basically, this is your mobile hub in the game. So you're not going to be necessarily hunkering down at a specific location, like a, like a house or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. This is going to be the way you move, because the game has been described as you on a chase across um, the Outlands. It's you running from the man, from the law. And basically, the camp, you can um, contribute supplies to it by fishing, by hunting, um, by gathering wood, I'm assuming by cutting down trees or something, it mentioned wood in, in the story. Uh, a couple of other things. You can basically contribute supplies to the camp, maybe help it function better, uh, maybe to heal you. I'm Not necessarily sure how. what's the point, but they also mention that if you don't contribute or if you can contribute a lot, uh, NPCs will let you know either way how they feel about that. So if you're not really contributing to the camp in terms of supplies, the other guys will let you know that you're not doing your best to chip in uh, to help everybody out, which is pretty interesting. Um, a mobile hub, is that? does that fit in for you, what you think Red Dead Redemption 2 is going to be, being on the move the entire time?
1: Um, it's not what I was envisioning, um, and I don't really know. Obviously, you just explained it all there. I don't really – it's one of those things I want to see for myself and see how I really feel about it. I'll have to spend some time with the game before I really uh, – Understand how it's working and how they're gonna how they're gonna use that system um, before I really know if it's something I want or not. Um, doesn't sound bad by any means, but yeah, I just gotta see how it's utilized, I guess, before I can really pass a judgment on it either way. But yeah. the way. The way
0: I assume it works is that this is going to be a colossal world, right? A giant open world. And I think essentially the... And this is just me throwing out random guesses of how I think it's going to play out. Is I think the outlaw camp is less of a... As you move through the story, it's in a set location. I really think it's just going to be save points. So, like, you can only set up camp in certain locations. Not specific locations, but, like, not too close to dangerous areas. And that's basically your save point. And I think a large chunk of the game is you out, you know, outrunning the law. And I think there comes a point where the tides turn or something happens to where you do eventually have a location in the game, right? Like a set house Mm -hmm. or something. Um, But I I think it's just going to function as a movable save point um, that functions as a camp as well. Um, I could be wrong. It could be that, like, it moves as the story progresses. So, like, as long as you don't do a main story mission, the camp doesn't really move forward. It's very weird. Um, it the way they're describing it as a mobile hub, it's it's tough to see how it's going to play out. But uh, like you said, eh, we'll see how it works out. Hopefully, we'll get we'll probably get more of an explanation. Uh, Rockstar has a tendency to release videos with a narrator describing exactly what you can do in the game. This is yeah. Red Dead Redemption Two.
1: Yeah, um, I wouldn't be shocked if we see first gameplay at uh, at E three. Like you said, even if it's I, I don't expect that game itself to be there, but uh, I think it makes sense for them to show up on Sony's stage yeah they did they off.
0: did show up when they were announcing the uh the ports of gta 5 they did
1: um, yeah. yeah and it was rumored for a long time that they were going to show up in was it 2016 and show the game off yeah With e3 and then they uh obviously it was all rumored i don't think it was ever confirmed but supposedly well, they pulled it out was, at like the last second
0: if i remember correctly it was either e3 or psx that they were going to sh- they were rumored to show it but then the orlando shooting happened
1: that's right, I think that's and what it was. And yeah. people
0: anticipated that they didn't want to show it because of that. Um, I don't remember if that was PSX or E3 because I don't remember the, or when the Orlando shooting took place. It was, e- it
1: was, it was E3, yeah, okay. it was yeah. in June. Um,
0: yeah. The last thing I want to talk about is the new horse mechanics. So um, they basically talked about in the IGN article that uh, Rockstar kind of felt that the horses were over... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Gamified. Uh, they were over gamified yeah. in Red Dead Redemption. And basically, what they said is that you're going to have a relationship with your horse in this game. Uh, you're gonna have to ride them, feed them and groom them so you can build a bond with them and build a friendship. And the stronger that bond is, it's probably like a meter or something that lets you know. Um, it'll your horse will be less likely to run from intense situations or hectic situations involving like shootouts with other NPCs or predators like bears or wolves or stuff like that. Um, and the thing is is if your bond is weak and your horse does run, it does carry supplies with it and some weapons on it. So it's kind of like another um, thing that's moving around with you that's carrying items for you. So if it runs away, you could lose that stuff. Mm-hmm. They didn't really specify if you lose it permanently or like you just don't have it until you get your horse back. Because like if your horse runs away and dies in a forest and you don't know where the horse dies, you yeah. just lose that stuff. Um, and speaking of that, if your horse dies, you actually have to rebuild that trust with the new horse over again. And you and I were kind of talking before the show of like, That's going to be an interesting balance because that's something that can get really tedious really quickly if Mm -hmm. you're constantly having to build up a relationship with a horse. And like I mentioned to you, I assume there's going to be some kind of RPG thing where maybe later in the game it's easier for you to build that bond quicker with a newer horse because late game you don't want to have somebody spending going out of their way to, you know, build up a relationship with the horse. Um, It just seems like something that might get easier as the game progresses, but I'm really hoping they balance it out correctly because reading it, it's like, oh, that sounds awesome because it's another thing you kind of have to worry about, but in the same breath, it's like, ugh, that's another thing I have to worry about, you know? So, yeah, I don't know. What do you think about this? Yeah, uh,
1: again, one of those things I kind of want to see play out because it could be an annoying uh, mechanic in the game uh, depending on how it's utilized. I imagine that Rockstar will know where that line is, though, and it will probably be in a perfect world, it'll be something that we are very happy that they added. And it like, actually you do feel like a relationship and bond to that horse, which means when it dies, then you feel that much more torn up and upset and upset about it. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah. I don't know. I think it sounds interesting. It's, it it reminds me of when they put out San Andreas and they're like, Oh, if you eat too much, your character can get fat and then you got to run around and lose the weight. (laughs) And like that kind of it, It reminds me of that. Um, which I also know that element of San Andreas was kind of hit and miss with some people, so we'll see how this is. I'm, uh, I think it sounds interesting at the very least. It'll just, I'll just have to see how they execute on it. Yeah,
0: um, I think that's it for Red Dead Redemption 2. I'm, I think we're both optimistic about it. I think it's going to be yeah. a, a really solid game. I'm interested to see how good it exactly is. Um, Yeah, that new
1: trailer really didn't do much for me uh, just because it was kind of a third trailer of what I felt like we had already seen. Uh, But I am still nonetheless like very, very excited to play that. I will be there day one playing Red Dead Redemption 2 just like I'm sure many other people will. Uh, That game is going to be huge. So huge, in fact, that Call of Duty pushed early this year to October, which is kind of insane because they have not done that and I think, like twelve years or something like that. Yeah, Call of Duty has not released outside of November in I think twelve years. So, yeah, I, you know, we actually we
0: actually talked about it. Yeah, it's the first year since two thousand seven. I think yeah, eleven years that uh that it hasn't released in November. It's there's a lot of hyperbole that a lot of people think this game is going to sell as well as GTA Five. It won't. No. it'll sell really well. It will not put up GTA Five numbers.
1: GTA Five is like. No, and I, I don't really see anything touching that like anytime soon I, I don't know that game is in a very the the I don't know we could have a whole conversation about that game and it's sales but the way it came out kind of in between generations it got the whole uh, install base of the PS3 and 360 at the moment and then it kind of has grown along this generation is if they it, that game is a, t- a total sales anomaly anomaly nothing will ever think- do with that game it ever did ever again
0: yeah, in terms of I think yeah, a big triple-A polished game because like there's games that have sold more than it, but you have the the Tetrises which have like a million yeah. different versions. You have Minecraft, which is more of an indie-ish uh, game that's on a ton of platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like the way they group up Pokemon and stuff, like there's there's some games that have like technically sold more copies, but in terms of like a AAA release and profit, like that's the thing is it's profited more than anything, as it hasn't necessarily sold more units than any other game. Um, it's obviously in the top echelon of that, but it's due to the biggest single piece of
1: media in ever, history, right? Entertainment. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So uh,
0: which says something, um, yeah, I think that's it for the podcast. Uh, in, in terms of what we're going to be playing, finishing Wolfenstein two, finally, um, really love that game after Good. I finish it, I'm debating on whether or not to start up the banner saga because I started mm. up a long time ago and then I just didn't, you know, got distracted by something. I really like that game. I don't know if you've ever played it, but like I love the I art style no. and the, the story is really engaging. If you're a fan of uh, fantasy, um, whether that be like Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings or anything like that, it definitely hits It's a hits strategy the
1: game, correct? Yes. It's a turn-based yeah, that's strategy why, game. That's why I haven't done it. I'm not the hugest strategy guy
0: in the me world. Me neither. But... Me neither. But the aesthetic and the characters make it for me and I, mm-hmm. I push past that. Um Kind of like the same thing I'm doing with Into the Breach. I've been playing that on and off again, too, on PC. Definitely not my type of game uh, in terms of like what I would naturally go to, but just done so well that I'm super into it. Um, yep. I might start playing some more Darkest Dungeon, too. I got off of that train a while back. I love that game.
1: Um, that game stressed me out too much, which I know <laughs> is, is what it's supposed to do. But, yeah.
0: And I own State of Decay. I've never beat the game. I've played it quite a bit. And I'm thinking of starting it up and trying to finish it before State of Decay 2 comes out. Um, yeah
1: that game, i considered i considered doing that as well but i don't want to get any potential fatigue beforehand like yeah. so i'm kind of trying to stay away from it actually. i think
0: i think honestly it would be good to turn on and play maybe the first hour and a half if i'm being quite honest um yeah. because not that you shouldn't finish the game but in terms of fatigue but i do think you should at least play a little bit of it so you can appreciate how much better State of Decay 2 is in a lot of areas. I played, because, so
1: I, pl- I played it for probably two or three hours back on the 360 okay. back in the day. But that felt like I was just barely scratching the surface.
0: Yeah. I think it's just... I have a little bit of a touch with it to see how much of improvement State of Decay 2 is, I think, is beneficial. So if you already have that, mm-hmm. that's fine. Um, I, it's just one of those things like, eh, maybe I'll play it. You kind of get those when, when sequels come out, right? It's like, yeah. maybe I should play the thing before, before it comes out. Like the, all those crazy people who Marathon, God of War... Even though yeah. it's like completely different tone and stuff, but uh, yeah, just to get themselves hyped. Um, in terms of anything else, um, I might go watch Infinity War again this weekend. Um, not too sure if I want to go again. Not that I've been I don't thinking like the about movie, the... but yeah, I've been like, thinking maybe. about that
1: myself. Yeah, yeah, I
0: don't know. I might. I, I don't, don't really,
1: see the Marvel movies twice very often. I don't see in, any movie twice.
0: Is. I don't think I've ever gone to the theater twice for a single movie.
1: I usually go see Star Wars like 3 or 4 times when those come out. Um, True. I I watched Last Jedi twice and I also watched Force Awakens twice. So I'm a liar. Are you Okay, so are you I'm going thumbs going to up see on Solo? I'm thumbs up on Last Jedi. I'm not down
0: on Thumbs Jedi. I I
1: I've, uh, I've, I've been, I was thumbs up on Jedi and it is slowly turning to the side. Um <laughs> I don't think it's bad and it'll never yeah. be a thumbs down, but I am uh having way more questions about what's going to happen next, and I have way more concerns following that movie than I, I did after seeing it opening night.
0: I The thing is, is I, I'm i one of the few people that I know that actually like Last Jedi. Even saying that, I would have loved if they just committed to J.J. and just let him do all three movies. Like I would have yeah. really enjoyed to see what that was. I understand why they didn't, um, but yeah, we can go on a whole tangent. What were we saying yeah, about that's Solo, whole though?
1: Thing. Are you going to see it?
0: Yeah, so here's the thing. Solo... I'm not a solo guy. Like, he's not one of my favorite Star Wars characters. Mm-hmm. I know that's, like, blasphemous to a lot of people because tons of people nah, love solo. That's nah. Nah, all about Luke. Honestly, I've never really been a solo fan, and I don't really like Harrison Ford's acting. <laughs> and I know that sounds yeah. crazy, but I just, I've never liked his acting ability, ever. I just don't like the way he acts. I just, he's one of those, I, I think it happens for a lot of people where there's a specific actor where you only see the actor, and it's hard to see the yeah. character. Some people have that with Johnny Depp. Some people have that with Seren... People, for me, Harrison. I just see Harrison Ford. I just, I've never liked the Han Solo character. Um,
1: but yeah, I'm interested
0: because I love Donald Glover to pieces. Lando is awesome, and I think he's going to nail that. Um, and I do think like um, Woody Harrelson is a great actor. I love Amelia Clark. I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan. I mm-hmm. do think there are a lot of pieces in that movie that can make it serviceable and good. I just think that in a lot of ways, Last Jedi was. I think it's going to be a toxic wasteland of fandom no matter how good the movie actually is or bad the movie actually is i think that there's a lot of toxic culture surrounding
1: star wars uh in terms of the community and yeah last jedi really brought that out didn't it so yeah um (laughs) i am excited
0: to watch it though i'll just say that i I don't think
1: i'm going to see it as weird as that is and i am like number one star wars boy uh or at least I was, I still am. I still love Star Wars. Uh, I just, I have hated this movie since the concept was greenlit. I was like, we don't need this. We don't need a Han Solo movie. We don't need any of this. In fact, I think it undermines his character to flesh out his backstory that much more because I think it is so cool that we just, in episode four, run across this random kind of scummy dude in a bar and now all of a sudden, our protagonists are chilling with this dune is barefoot. Like, I think fleshing out his backstory just really undermines his character in the original trilogy. Yeah. Um, every trailer I see, I don't think looks good. Everything everything I've seen about this movie, not it's not just the idea. Like, the things that I've seen for it, too, I think look really not great. Like And even the Woody Harrelson being like, oh, we're putting together a team. It's like, oh my gosh, this is the most like... Uh, like Cookie I cutter feel like, by the numbers. Yeah, yeah. I, feel, <laughs> I feel like I've seen this movie already. Uh, so I'm, I will hate it regardless if I was to go to see it. So I think I'm just not going to go see it. And then I think I am going to uh, maybe just see it when it comes out on Blu-ray or something like that. And see if distance from the release of it can help me to watch it in a more objective state of mind Uh, because I just feel like I'm not going to be into it. I also feel like it's important to me. I think Star Wars is getting uh, a little pimped out too much, and I feel like I should not go see this movie and support it because I don't want them to continue greenlighting a thousand sequels even though they've already kind of done that. So I guess it's a little bit too late for that. Um, Yeah, the Star Wars pipeline is getting kind of crazy. I feel like it's starting to mean less and less, and it is just becoming a i don't know it's something that i'm not looking forward to as much as i used to which is kind of sad so. yeah
0: um i mean i'd pay 10 bucks to see donald glover in anything so even if it's not yeah, a that's, good movie that's
1: that's the <laughs> only positive is donald yeah. glover because I, I i'm right there with you i love everything he does from atlanta to his rap stuff to whatever whatever that guy whatever in atlanta
0: in. i love his rap music i loved him in the martian he had a very small role in that but I loved yeah him he was that. good in that I loved him in spider-man homecoming
1: um like, yeah.
0: I, I really like Donald Glover, so I'll, I'll go see. I need, I'll pay 10 bucks to see him on screen. The dude came from YouTube, and it's it's awesome. Like Derek Comedy and stuff, and it's just great mm-hmm. to see. That guy is so talented. It is insane how talented that guy is. He's, um, a,
1: but,
0: he's a renaissance man for sure. Exactly. Uh, I think that's it for this week's show. Um, Logan, where can people find you on the internet?
1: Uh, You can find me on the internet, uh, Twitter, I guess, at moreman 12 Uh, And if you want to follow any of my writing, uh, you can go read DualShockers.com. And I'll say hey to you over there. And, uh, yeah, so he's going to be going to E3
0: this year to cover it for DualShockers. And he's also going to be on the Predictions podcast with us. So definitely when E3 comes around, he'll be on the podcast. And definitely you'll be able to see all of his experiences uh, with all of the games he gets to see at E3, which will be cool. So thank you again, Logan, for joining me. Um, yeah, man, no problem. For those listening, if you haven't already, uh, follow us on iTunes, leave a rating. I know it's time-consuming, but it helps. Believe me, it helps. Even one review helps. Um, subscribe to us on YouTube. Um, we're putting up more video content there. Like I said, I, I have a Monster Prom impressions up there. I'm going to be uploading the Lightfall impressions later this week. Um, and the uh, a look back at is going to be coming back Um, obviously you, obviously you wouldn't know Logan, but a couple of weeks ago I had like the worst internet outage in my, in my, uh, in my neighborhood. So I didn't have internet for like two weeks. Uh, so I kind of got, I, I lost, uh, um, time with editing and stuff like that. So I had had to kind of work twice as hard to get everything back in line. So look back at is going to be coming back and be on regular schedule every other Thursday. Uh, Logan will be on that in the future. Uh, count on that and yeah that's pretty much it next week we should have jordan and dom back and in the coming weeks like i said we will be having our e3 predictions podcast where we're going to be talking about everything that probably won't happen but we hope it does um yeah catch you guys next week